Sit back and listen and enjoy my podcast about health, wellness, fitness, yoga, business, and life. I talk about everything from ways of eating healthy, mindfulness, yoga, working out, manifesting, to pop culture, momming, adulting. I try to have fun and laugh at myself along the way of my sometimes stressed out and frazzled life. This is Fit, Fun, and Frazzled, and I am your host, Nikki Lanigan. Welcome back, Fit, Fun, and Frazzled listeners. I'm your host, Nikki Lanigan. Today, I'm joined by my guest, Gina Oldham. Gina is such an inspiration. She is such a positive ray of sunshine and light, and I'm really excited for you guys to hear this episode and this conversation with Gina and myself. First, a little bit about Gina. She is a wife, a mother, the host of the Abundance Formula podcast, a practitioner, personal trainer, business owner, speaker, and life coach. She spent the last 15 years cultivating in people the belief and ability to accomplish more than they thought they could. With her experience as both a personal trainer and practitioner of orthotics and prosthetics, Gina has helped over 25,000 people in the area of rewiring their mindset to overcome adversity and create the life they want to live. On her podcast, Gina has hosted interviews with highly successful celebrities, professional athletes, Paralympic gold medalists, multimillionaires, billionaires, and some of personal development's top entrepreneurs. Gina's influence and network have made her proficient in helping people transform their lives into ones that are intentional, fulfilling, and impactful. Coaching ordinary people with extraordinary dreams is her passion and her mission is to help people recognize their potential, step into their calling, and effectively live out their purpose. I'm so excited for this episode. All of her information will be in the show notes where to find her, her website, uh, Instagram, her podcast. Today's conversation, we talk about who she is, what she does, how she started this. Um, With the holidays coming up, we even talk about how to, you know, what, she says to her clients with nutrition and mindset, um, just so much. There's so much amazing and great information in this episode. I really, really am excited for you guys to hear this. Please leave a rating and review if this really resonated with you. DM me your biggest takeaway. And if you share this in your stories on social media, tag myself and tag Gina. Welcome back, Fit, Fun, and Frazzled listeners. I'm excited for my guest today, Gina Oldham. Hello, Gina. Thank you so much for joining me. Hi, thanks so much for having me. Um, Can you tell the listeners a little bit about yourself, who you are, what you do? Mm -hmm. Yes, for sure. So I grew up in a small town in McDonald, Tennessee, (laughs) which people probably never heard of. They probably heard more of Chattanooga, Tennessee, which is a Mm -hmm. a couple hours from Nashville. So just giving people sort of the layout, but grew up in a small town out in the country. And I was always passionate about uh, health and fitness. My parents were very, were very athletic. And so we're always involved in sporting activities and exercise since I was born. So I was used to seeing that going to their softball games and, you know, all the things. And so that was something I have always enjoyed was always into athletics and, you know, wanted to compete in those things at a high level. We were always a very competitive family and stuff. And then they, my dad is, uh, was, and is still, um, a successful entrepreneur. So I saw that as well. And Mm -hmm. I really loved that kind of stuff. Uh, since just being a child and my mother is a a nurse. And so I've also had an interest in medicine and health and wellness, you know, in that realm, um, helping people better themselves from a place they've started in, whether their health, whether it was from an injury or whatever. So these are kind of the things that surrounded me growing up as far as interests and seeing, you know, good models set up in those areas. Um, And so again, I, so I was highly involved in sports. Mostly I did music as well, but really loved sports the most. And so then 
did that all through high school, had opportunity to go to college, um, on basketball scholarships, but I chose not to do that and, um, stayed local. And then went the route. Cause the community I grew up in, there was definitely kind of more accepted professions as a, you know, that you were supported yeah. and guided towards and whatnot. And so, you know, I definitely had aspirations of like, Oh, I'd really love to, you know, I always loved writing and I wrote so many books as a kid mm-hmm. and, and, and even got a, an award for one that I'd written like in the school. And so I wrote a lot and I loved to talk. I'd made my own fake radio show. Like it had, a, had them recorded on tapes. My mom still has them. They're so embarrassed. Oh, that's cute. Oh, yeah, that's like, so cute. Did interviews <laughs> With myself and I was both the people like it's funny yeah. to see how now I have a podcast and how some of this has played out later but so I had these more outlandish things like oh I would love to be a motivational speaker or be on mm-hmm. stages or whatever but then kind of guided to like well that's not a real profession so what would you like to really do kind of thing yeah so again health was definitely very valued in the community I was in so medicine was considered a successful like you'd be considered successful if you went the route of medicine. And so I wanted to be successful. My family was known as being successful or, and, you know, really good at what they were doing. So I wanted to uphold that not necessarily disrupt, you know, all that. So, so I went the route of medicine. And so I went to undergrad I have a BS in health science and was going to be pre-physical therapy or was pre-physical therapy. And in 2008, I got my certification to be a personal trainer and I worked at the university there. And then I started to compete in fitness competitions in their bikini division. Uh, Mm -hmm. A trainer that I had trained with for basketball had said I had a good physique for that. And so I did it. I was doing really well. I was winning a lot of shows. I competed nationally. And so I did that through college and, um, but I realized really quick. So my entrepreneurial juices got going that I realized I had so many more clients that weren't members at the university or, you know, these other places. So I just decided to, to do it myself. And so my dad had a space extra in his building that wasn't being used. And so I trained clients from there and I traded him kind of rent for the space of like trained his employees for free. And so we kind of did this thing. So I started my own studio in college and did that for my money through college. And then I ended up switching from physical therapy to a profession called orthotics and prosthetics, which most people haven't heard of. They've heard of amputees, but they don't know who really like creates that prosthetic Mm -hmm. leg or, you know, whatever. So that, that I found out about through my shadowing hours of physical therapy. And when they were working with amputees, I just loved that work. It was more in depth. There was a lot of personal development involved. And that was stuff I had found gradually. I didn't realize this at the time, but looking back, what I loved about personal training, fitness competitions, all this was that deep inner work, you know, the real foundation behind everything you were successful at. And so I loved that. And I just wanted to work with amputees and there wasn't a way to do that as a physical therapist, but it just so happened. One of my friends had gotten into that profession and it was all the same prereqs and everything. So I switched over to that. And I was able to skip my last year of undergrad and got into grad school early and went to California and did grad school for orthotics and prosthetics um, as a practitioner, came back to Tennessee for my residency, married my husband. Um, We now have two little girls. That wasn't till later, but came back to Tennessee and got married. And I love and still do that part time. But again, the common thread that I really loved and was fired up about is what it takes to really make my patients or my personal training clients successful. And it's never about Mm -hmm. the actual prosthetic leg they get or the brace that they get or the workout they perform. It's the, it's like, why are you doing this? What is it you actually want to achieve? You know, what's going to get you through when you hit roadblocks and run, you know, like the mindset tools of what perspective do you choose? Cause there's people that have your circumstance and go one path and there's people with the same circumstance or background and they go another path. And so that kind of stuff I just loved. And so I wanted to take that stuff and felt called to take that stuff to the next level. And I felt very drawn to helping people like me who felt kind of cattle herded to a path that was more acceptable, uh, really find their calling sooner and, Mm -hmm. and not wait as long. And so I felt that was really a a place I was supposed to be. So I started doing more personal development uh, work by launching my podcast in 2018, the abundance formula. And I thought it was a great bridge to show my, my fitness foundation people who is really who, who followed me in my medical background to show them like, this is all part of the same thing. And so it could bridge the gap of my audiences to bring them into the same semblance of a place of personal development, um, 
and what do you really want to create from your life? So it's fulfilling so that you're happy so that you can be at peace in the good times and the bad and kind of marry into this world that really is where I felt called to be. And then that has branched into now the abundance formula became an event, a personal development event that, that came, uh, happened November five, this, this year and mm-hmm. has been a workshop. And now I'm, I am speaking and I'm going to Belize in January to speak. And so now I I'm doing international speaking and all these things that I actually was drawn to as a child pre, you know, external factors giving yeah. their input. And now I'm, you know, finally doing all of those things, which is pretty cool. That's awesome. Like a motivational speaker. I've always like, even when I was little, not little, but before like Tony Robbins was like huge. Like right. I remember him and being like, oh, that's so cool. <laughs> yeah. Well, and Pete, and what's funny is like, you like, yeah, I remember hearing about him when I was a kid, like, oh, I want to be Tony Robbins or mm-hmm. Oprah. And people are like, well, that's them though. You know, somehow yeah. there's this stigma that like, well, other people can do that. And the question then starts being planted in your head. Why you, instead of why not, why not me? Yeah. Why couldn't I go be the mm-hmm. next Oprah, Tony Robbins or whoever, in whatever the categories people like, that's just always speaking, but you know, something that seems quote more airy or less concrete, like this is a brick and mortar. This is a very typical thing when it's something you'd have to really create for yourself and brand for yourself and what, you know, that thing all of a sudden it's like, well, why should you be the one to do it? And that's where a lot of people then shift to a different path that they still may love, but isn't quite in full alignment. And that's where people then kind of feel dissatisfied. They're not sure why later, because they're not really being their authentic self or, or stepping into their full capacity. Even if they are kind of in the right path, it could be a next level above an impact. If you really took the leap into what you feel nudged to do in your heart and soul. Yeah. So when people come to you, do you have like, do you have a brick and mortar mortar? <laughs> no, I, mortar. I no all that's, I mainly work from online, which is my yeah. favorite. Cause especially having two girls, mm-hmm. I can make my schedule, how I need it to be, how I want it to be working in the, the time gaps that works for me. Um, for sure. Yeah. I definitely am all yeah. about the online world. <laughs> that's what I do too. Yeah. My husband does the in-person, he loves the in-person mm-hmm. training. So he does in-person personal training and stuff. Um, and in-person coaching and mentorship for businesses and things. But I I like to do it online um, or through online avenues. Yeah. So if people come to you just for like, say the food nutrition aspect or just to lose weight, how do you introduce the personal development aspect to them? Yeah. So usually what I'll do is, you know, I talk to them the first of like, so why, why do you want to be you know, why do you want to lose weight or, or get healthy? And, and it'll start out some kind of service. So like, you know, I'm tired of feeling, you know, uncomfortable in my jeans or whatever, whatever it may be, or lack of self-confidence. But then you start asking them deeper questions. Like, so when did you start feeling less confident or where did mm-hmm. you start? Or do, how is your relationship with food right now? How has it been in the past? What is some things you've tried in the past that haven't worked and why didn't they work? And usually it comes down to like, it, you know, some kind of deeper seated thing or, something in their past. And so we kind of work into layers of figuring out both why they really like we come up with. So if there's a day that all this is going on, is that why strong enough to make you do it anyway? And a lot of times like, "Mm, not really. So then we have to hone in, like, what would be a strong enough? Why? Um, You know, so for me growing up or grow up, my mom was bulimic. And so, Mm. and I didn't find that out till, till my, in college. Yeah. Uh, But she started to do fitness competitions with me. And that was one thing that helped her get out of that. And so for both she and I, because I had had some disordered eating as well, because I certainly picked mm-hmm. up on the nuances of what she was doing as far as her weight and losing weight and the reasons for her exercise in that fashion. It wasn't a healthy, like, let's move our bodies. It was like, I need to burn fat and lose yeah. weight, even though I didn't know that she was throwing things up, you know? So we both had to look at like why we were being shaped and it became really important to fix the reason and get it into a healthy system. Cause and especially now I have girls and even now, especially mm-hmm. losing that postpartum body fat, I was hyper aware of, I want to be in shape, not only to feel good and to have a healthy lifestyle, but I want to show my girls that you can do it despite being busy and you can do it in a healthy way and not because you're worried about being fat. You know, right. I want my girls not to grow up looking in the mirror and not wondering if they're thin enough or muscly enough or whatever it may be. And so even how I word things is just like, we're going to go for a walk so we can move our bodies and things mm-hmm. like that. Not we're doing cardio or, you know, mommy's trying to get stronger for lifting weights, not. So 
thinking about nuances like that really changed people's mindset around nutrition or just coming at their weight loss goals. Like, why do I really want this? Where's the past hurt? That is the reason why I don't stick to food plans again. Cause I'll be like, why do you not stick to things in the past? And they'll just be like, Oh, it's not hard. It's too hard. Or it's what, but is it really, what is it about it? And it always brings up triggers. So I try to dig into that kind of stuff to figure that out. And then it helps me to also know how to make a better plan for them to also not feed into additional triggers or if we know where their triggers are in the day, then, you know, we, we look at where those are. Do you need to avoid certain places? Cause they are unhealthy. Mm-hmm. Like you don't need to be there anyways, but a lot of times it comes down to, especially for daily life. It's like people are influenced by what other people are doing. And I'm like, the reality is that the majority of people don't really care to be healthy. So, you know, if you're going to go out on the boat over the weekend, that's fine. If you don't particularly want to have pizza that day, then you probably should bring something for yourself, whatever that is. If it's a sandwich, if it's whatever, don't get out on that boat and be like, oh, I didn't have anything else but pizza. Okay. Well, that's not a champion's mindset. So like, you really don't want it as much as you think you do, which is all fine, but getting people to be really real with like, how much do you really want this? Why do you really want it? And what are you willing to do? Like, are you willing to just stand up for yourself when you go out to eat with your friends and just be like, Hey, today is not a day that I'm going to drink beer and have a hamburger. I'll do that at whatever day you decide, Yeah. but it's not going to be every day. Cause every day you will have the possibility of being influenced to go off of whatever your food plan is. And you know, that's not really anybody else's fault. Or I'll tell people, moms, your kid, you know, how do you eat? eat well and they have what they have like nobody's making you eat your kids mac and cheese you know or yeah. if you eat like I eat my kids mac and cheese but nobody's gonna make me eat the whole pot like I get mm-hmm. to choose how much of it I have and so you have to also take responsibility too of like okay <laughs> you know I'm eating the kids mac and cheese because I'm stressed at work okay well how do we manage stress better then and we kind of yeah. the problem so hopefully that answered what your question was <laughs> yeah it does yeah um and then it brings me to so it's December and we're going into the holidays and I know for myself, but then probably a lot of people, you know, um, parties pick up, um, I eat more sweets, um, drink more alcohol. What would you tell a client if they're stressed about it? Like they don't want to get off their plan or they do get off their plan and then it's hard for them to get back on. Mm -hmm. I usually coach people to like, it's the holidays and you say you're going to these events, like, you know, where those events are. So, you Mm -hmm. know, your calendar, probably more so than other months, you know what the calendar looks like as far as here's the holiday party. Here's the Christmas office party. Here's the family get together. Here's the friends get together. And you know where that stuff is on your calendar. So a lot of the people I work with, they'll at least have like one fully free day of the week that they can just have whatever. And that's usually plenty for a lot of people. Cause then they're like, all right, I had my fix. I'm ready to just eat well. So with the holiday, it's, it's most people aren't doing probably more than two things in a week that would be there, you know, put them off their mm-hmm. plan. So I tell people, you know, when those things are, so number one, a lot of times it's just gonna be one, one time a week that you have some holiday party. Okay. Well then that could be your day. That's your free day. So if you know, it's a Wednesday, instead of your Saturday being your, have whatever you want, have it be the Christmas party day and you can enjoy whatever you want. And you're already back on track the next day. Or if there are multiple things in a week, then the biggest thing I tell people is just stick to your normal, both before and after the thing. A lot of people feel like as soon as they've gone, had the lunch or had the dinner, well, the rest of the week's kaput, you know, but it's not, you know, Mm -hmm. or, or what people do more often, which sets them more up for failure. I feel like, um, is they know the party's coming up. So prior to that, they'll have like no carbs or they'll decrease their carbs and fats and right. their food intake at all. And like almost fast. And then they get to that event and they're going to eat twice as much. And by the time they finish that, they'll feel twice as bad, like just even physically. Cause now it's overload. Cause you've just depleted yourself. And then you're also going to crave more after. Cause now you have truly depleted your body storages and eating a lot at once, isn't going to get it where it needs to go. And, and so then you're just, your body truly needs more. So it's going to crave more. And that's creates a worse cycle to get back on track after than if you were to go ahead and eat your normal breakfast, have your toast or have your oatmeal in the morning and have your eggs and your, you know, your peanut butter on your toast, whatever it is, have your normal routine of food and quantity prior to that party. And, and you're going to crave less and you'll, and then I'll tell them also just stop when you're full, like, you know, again, and which is easier to do when you've been eating your normal thing in the day, it's easier. I'm full, you know, Mm -hmm. and then you're done. And, and then to, when you go home, if they're, you know, you watch a movie later, you can still do what you would normally do. Um, and not feel like, Oh, I've got to scrounge the whole, I've already eaten bad for dinner. So I have to just 
eat all the things. So keeping usually to your schedule before and after and for your normal weight, uh, weight or cardio activity. Some people will do like so much cardio before the party stuff thinking, well, I'll just burn all these extra calories. Well, now again, you set your body up to feel like it's scrounging for nutrition. And so thus it's going to be even harder to control those cravings. And like, do your normal cardio day. If the party is landing, you know, on a day that you can time it. So like, if say you do, like I only do like three days a week that I do cardio is like my minimum mm-hmm. goal and which usually yeah. happens. So it, I'll try to time it so that that day could be the party day, but if it's an extra busy party day, I'd rather get the rest. Cause that'll also help me mentally too. So yeah. don't throw your normal schedule off. You'll be more empowered and feel more in control if you're not out of sorts. <laughs> and so that's usually what I'll tell people is just don't go wild on the cardio or depleting yourself or overworking. Cause then you're going to just feel twice as bad and struggle twice as much. So just keep into your normal and just trying to move. Like we went to, we had Thanksgiving and it, we go to Gatlinburg the week, uh, uh, go on vacation the weekend after. So my food isn't normal that whole weekend, but we're moving a lot. We're trying to always move, even mm-hmm. if we're walking a lot. So just moving your body even helps. And to know that again, as soon as you get back from the vacation, you're right back on your routine. And again, just don't beat yourself up. If you're not perfect the very next morning, you just work back in layers again. If it, if it's hard, that's okay. That's not abnormal for people to be like, Oh, I had this whole weekend where I was less strict. And now I've got to get back to just getting my normal routine, not having a donut for breakfast every morning, but shifting it, then just gradually work your way back in and, and aim to be back on track in a few, a couple of days or so after. Yeah. Does, um, your work pick up in the new year, like in January with people's new year's resolutions and goals. Yeah. Oh yeah, definitely. Yeah. <laughs> yes, for sure. Yeah. And I try um, to tell people, you know, start, you know, just start as soon as possible because then, yeah. or people will start as soon as summer's happening. It's like, you should start before summer. Cause that's when right. you want to like feel good and whatever be out as, as far as people, what they tell me, I want to look good in my swimsuit. Like, okay. Let's start in, in earlier than this then. Yeah. But yeah, definitely in January, people have their, their motivations back. Mm-hmm. But again, that's a whole nother thing. So, <laughs> oh, so you have, you said two little girls, how do you make sure you have time for yourself? Like self-care, your own workouts and fitness. Yeah. So I definitely have to like, I I'm plan, you know, as much as you mm-hmm. can, you can't always of course control everything that happens with children in your life, but it, yeah. you're way more likely to be successful or get things done showing up armed and ready for the day, as opposed to, you know, scrounging from the very start. And so I definitely have to pivot depending on their, their age and the phase that they're in. Cause especially my littlest is one. So of course, when they're itty bitty, they take yes. more naps at different times of the day. Some of that shifts, the time just changed, you know, not long ago. So little things like that changed a little bit of the sequence of things, but you get figured out pretty quick. When does the littlest one nap? When does my oldest one nap? Um, my oldest is four. So I figured out for me, my workouts are much easier to do when the one-year-old who can walk now, but it's not stable, definitely crawls is into everything. It's easier for me to do the workout when she's not awake. Mm-hmm. So weightlifting I'll do when she's asleep on her nap, which typically lands around 10, 30 or 11, like right now with this podcast. So I'll time things like this podcast to be when she's down one mm-hmm. kid for my husband to manage. So you kind of think about your day and strategize. Okay. So the baby's down, I'll weightlift there. That's what works. My oldest will be awake, but she does well playing in the gym by, you know, on her own. So that works there. And I still don't try to overdo it. I don't do what I used to do when I was a fitness competitor. I don't work out lift weights five days a week. I don't really care to anyways, but so three times a week is the goal. Sometimes it's four. I just end up with extra time, but, but three days is my, my minimum goal. And so three days a week, I can definitely plug that in to those time slots with the baby down or, and I definitely plan two of them to be on the weekend. Cause I know my husband's home. So again, set yourself for, up for success there. Cause I'm not going to get a babysitter to come just so I can do my 30 yeah. minute workout. So look at your schedule and be like, Hey, I can definitely do it Sunday, Saturday, and either Tuesday or Thursday. Um, and so plan that. And then the cardio stuff, I, I usually walk just the neighborhood. Our neighborhood's really hilly. The girls like to go. So I'll take both of them and outside of the weather's nice. And we just walk together and that's something we can do together. They enjoy it. It gets them out. It's an activity. It's not like a chore. And so I do that two or three times a week with them. Um, if it's not a nice day, it's a little harder because, um, I just get bored on a treadmill, but we do have a treadmill. And so I'll, you know, put the baby in the carrier and walk with her on the treadmill. My daughter will watch TV and play, or if my Mm -hmm. husband does happen to be free, then he can watch the baby and I'll do the treadmill. So 
I, I get the lay of the land and know when things like that work. Um, and for me, as far as like self-care, that isn't workout related. I definitely know the kids tend to wake up, of course, with the time change, they tend to wake up at six, maybe seven. And so I'll get up because it's important to me to have my own time to read my Bible and have just me time or read a, a book or just yeah. chill, watch a TV show or something. Mostly I'll either read it and definitely do my, my Bible study, but so I'll wake up at five or five 30. So I have 30 minutes to potentially an hour, hour and a half to do my own thing. Or especially if I have work related stuff to get done, that's emails. It doesn't require calling someone or whatnot, or texting right. somebody. Then I know that I can wake up at five and have maybe a couple hours to do that stuff. So again, I plug things in where I know the time available. And then our youngest right now, like clockwork goes down hard at seven or seven 15. And my oldest by eight is pretty chill just to watch some TV. So again, if I have work-related stuff to get done, or if my workout for some reason didn't happen earlier, I know she'll be pretty chill for me to do that in the evening. So you kind of get that figured out Mm -hmm. as well. And so I just, but it wouldn't be if I wasn't having the self-awareness to pay attention, like when are my kids more chill, even if they're awake, you know what I mean? And think, when do they nap or whatever? And when's my husband coordinating? If you have a spouse or a partner, like what are they doing in the day? Are they home Mm -hmm. or are they at work? And just getting a plan or a semblance of a strong plan so that you can plug it in successfully. Yeah. So you mentioned walking and I have been walking all summer because my back went out and I think it is the most underrated form of cardio. Like people don't realize how amazing it is one. And then two, it literally boosts your mood so much. Oh yeah. It really, you know, when people, if they actually paid attention to like doing their, the fat burning zone of their heart rate, heart rate zone, Mm -hmm. it's really not that high. And, um, I figured that out when I was, um, when I was in grad school and the gym would be closed because I'd get out of class at like 11 PM at night. And so, I would sometimes just lunge in my little apartment for cardio just mm-hmm. lunge back and forth across the room for however long. And it was amazing how like not fast it, you know, to, I had to go doing that to, to not have my heart rate up really high. And so I was like, wow, the heart, the fat burning zone really is not that high and walking lands you in that rate, especially if there's Hills and you can speed up mm-hmm. your walking or slow it down and vary your pace. Um, it doesn't take this really high intensity stuff. It's fine to do that. If you enjoy that, that's strengthening your heart muscle, which is great, but it's not what's required in that fat burning zone at all. So yeah, yeah. chill out and walk and you can, I you know, can yeah. maintain that more long-term or if you have kids, they can keep up and do it with you. Yeah. Let's talk about your podcast. Now the abundance formula podcast. And you said, you mentioned you started it in 2018. Mm-hmm. Did this just come like the name of it, how did that come? The abundance formula. You know, it really was just kind of, for me, I feel like, um, I call them like a soul hit or for me, since I I believe in God, I just woke up one day and felt like I was like, you need to create a podcast and this is the name. And it was just, Mm -hmm. it was just there. And, and I tried to even feel like, okay, the abundance formula. I like that. I searched, you know, to see if anything else was called that and nothing else was, t- it wasn't taken. And I was like, well, I'll, I'll give it some time and try to think of some other names. This one obviously was the first one that just came to mind. Let me think on it. Um, anybody I mentioned the name to loved it from the start. And so it, there just was no other option that ever came up. And thinking back, I'm like, well, I literally just, yeah, woke up when it was like, felt like I needed to create a podcast because there was a lot of knowledge that I had gained both through, you know, being in high intensity, uh, athletic environments. I've worked with a lot of like been trained by a lot of professional athletes and put in rooms with a lot of really epic people. And then through orthotics and prosthetics, I've worked with Paralympic gold medal athletes and been exposed to them and their mindsets and the way they think. And I've, you know, worked with them and, um, and my own experience going through grad school and, and being a national and international level athlete, uh, all these high level mindset tools I had learned. And then in my profession in orthotics prosthetics, I've worked with over 25,000 people in areas like this, where there's just insane life circumstances that take so much resiliency and overcoming to get from one point where you are in life and choose to see it a different way and create something really beautiful from whatever life circumstance you're in. And I felt like I didn't need to waste that knowledge, wisdom, and exposure I'd had. And the other thing I was experiencing at the time too, is a lot of people who weren't where they wanted to be in life, whether it was health and fitness or, uh, their careers, 
their relationships, whatever it was, people had these excuses of somehow the person who had those things either came by it easy or it was given to them, or they don't have the same struggles I've had to deal with. And it became this kind of projection of like, it's not really their like this responsibility thing shift. And so I knew from all the things I've been exposed to is like, the reality is there's people from every person's perspective, like who has it worse than you and is living bigger and better. So it is Mm -hmm. really a choice. And as like terrible as some people's circumstances, as I have seen, they have so have created for themselves so much abundance. Uh, And everybody's version of what abundance is, is different. Mm -hmm. Um, But I was like, I've got to let people see that it's really a formula of common actions, thought patterns, and principles that creates abundant living and the different areas of life. And when I talk to these people and bring them on the podcast, you realize these, these billionaires or multimillionaires or celebrities or Paralympic athletes, whatever the reality is actually, they've often had it just as hard or harder than so many people yet they took that and made an even greater impact. Like it's almost like the, the weight of their struggles almost amplified their impact and power when they chose to take it and use it for something. And so it's cool for people to see that it translates into let them know, oh, I can do it. It is possible for me. I maybe have not been supported or live in an environment that's conducive to what I want, but other people have been in those circumstances and have made something of themselves, you know? And so it's really cool to see how these people have transformed their lives and give those breadcrumbs along the way. You see, if you, as you listen to all these different episodes, there's commonalities and there's breadcrumbs of these people doing it in so many different ways from so many different backgrounds, different professions, all the things, how they're doing it. And it's something that's implementable across the board to everyone, which is what's empowering from it. So the goal of the podcast is to help people build abundant lives for themselves, ones that are fruitful and send a ripple effect to the world and people, and they can live extraordinary. And a lot of people just from their life circumstance or what they've been through, think maybe it's not possible for them or or that why me situation, but to help them shift to say, why not me? And these people have done it. I can do it. This is how they've done it. This is where they've gone to find the info they needed or the support they needed or the tribe they needed. Here's some things they did. This is how they think. This is how they see obstacles and problems and how they handle their pains, whatever it is that each person needs to hear, they absorb, which is a really cool thing and was why I really felt called to do the podcast is so people could get that knowledge and get the coaching, get the help Mm -hmm. for free to go make some changes in their life. Well, that's amazing. And I've listened to your podcast and it's amazing. I'll leave everything in the show notes too, where they can find you and your podcast. Um, What does it mean to you to live an abundant life? For me, abundance, I feel like is when you can really look at your life while you're living in it at any phase of the journey and truly feel like you have given your all, like you haven't settled, like you are you, it's all a journey. So again, there's things you're striving for and, and it's all a journey. You're going to hit those different points where you get it, or you're in the process of pursuing it and you feel in alignment with where you're aiming to go. So you can feel abundant living to me is when you feel truly fulfilled and that you are in alignment with what you're trying to do and the impact you want to make. And you feel like you are living a meaningful life and you're in the process of producing the impact you want to make, whether that be in your relationships, your family, your health, and that you're, you're giving everything you've got for life that you're not settling. And thus you can feel happy. Like even, even say when you go in athletics and and you lose a game, you're okay with that. When, you know, you gave it all, like you really gave it all. And, you know, and so you can feel satisfied in no matter what part of your journey, whether it's, you know, a high or a low, if you know, you have, and are giving your all, like you can still be at peace, truly knowing that you're not at peace when you know that you're really not giving everything you have. And so that to me is when you're abundant is it, and it's a perspective abundance is a perspective. And that's what I feel like separates success from abundance is that perspective, especially when the times get hard. Cause that's what really separates things to me. When I hear other people's stories or from my own is people in the really hard times can still tap into abundance and find peace and lessons and purpose and impact and create impact from the really difficult things. And that's, that's to me, part of what abundance is, is or else your, or else your journey will be 
flamboyant. It's not going to be something you can count on in the sense of your inner state to me can surpass circumstance. And when Mm -hmm. you harness that power, then that really is an an abundant life. I love that. (laughs) Um, Do you have a morning and or night routine? And if so, can you share it with the listeners? Yeah. So that the morning routine is typically I'll wake up at five o'clock in the morning and I'll, I'll read my Bible for 10 or 15 minutes, and then I'll get straight to doing some business things. Um, and I've pre the night before. So part of the night routine is I'll have laid out in bullet points, what I want to, what I need to get done in the morning in that space that it works. And then what things I need to get done in any of the other spaces I know are coming up in the day, like the actual activity. So as detailed as you can be and what things for business that I need to get done. That's in the evening time in a space that would work. And, um, again, so the night before I try to also look at the whole day, like, what am I going to do with the kids that day? What other things? So I try to have it all laid out to know at what times or what times is it just free stuff? Like, but there's nothing planned or I don't want to have plans. And me and the girls can just see, is it a nice day? Do we want to go to the park? Do we want to plan a play date? And so, but the things that I do better with the girls, unless it's a planned thing, like going to the aquarium, I have the spaces that's just being fully present and doing stuff with the girls. And I'll figure that out the night before. So where's the work go? Where's the play go? And I'll schedule both the play, the work, mm-hmm. where the workout goes um, and that kind of thing. And so, especially though, for people that have are entrepreneurs and have careers, where does the work go with the play and all of those other things? And so I play on that the night before. And then especially when you have kids, breaking down what work it is that can work at those time frames because they don't always work the same um then I'll play in that so in the morning then is when I implement that stuff do the reading get myself on track for the day there then do the work activities that I've designated for that and then again the girls are usually up around six between six and seven and so then we kind of hang out they both like to kind of watch a show first thing in the morning drink their chocolate milk or their bottle yeah hang out so if there's things I haven't gotten to finish up from the morning work on the computer, I can do that and they'll hang out and chill. And so I can kind of tie up some bows until seven 30 or eight sometimes. Um, and then proceed with the day from there, how I've done it. So that's kind of the morning and in the night routine too, I plan that. And that's usually after my four-year-old's gone to bed. So we'll have mm-hmm. dinner, so, you know, somewhere around six or so the littlest goes down at seven ish. And then I'll have one-on-one time with my four-year-old, which is fun. So I try to play games and do things with her. And then by eight 30, I'll give her some TV time and get her settled down. And then while she's watching the TV, as if there's some more nighttime work that I can button up on the computer, I'll do that and hang out with her and, and then read and then read or read my own book. If I'm done with uh, work, I love to be able to have some reading time. And I like to do that before bed. So last night she watched a little show on my phone, sitting in the bed and I was reading a book and my husband was reading something and we had our own little time Yeah. and then I'll get her to bed around nine. And then she, I have to lay in there till she goes to sleep mm-hmm. <laughs> and then she'll stay asleep. And I can, I'll set like a vibrate alarm to make sure if I'm passed out, I, I leave. Yeah. But, so then I'll leave her room and go to my room. And if I've if it didn't take long for her to go sleep, then I've got some more time. If I have some more work or if my husband, and I want to sit and pick a movie or a show to watch for ourselves or read books, whatever, that's when we'll kind of have our own unwind time. And I try to go to bed around nine 30 or 10. Cause with little kids, you don't know what the nighttime could look like. Mm-hmm. Someone you can get sick or whatever. And it, waking up early, I try to, to get sleep. So I'll go to sleep around between nine or 10, depending on how tired I am. Yeah. Yeah. I have to do with my kids because the afternoons, the later afternoons and evenings, they're so busy with school activities, school sports, sports that I, after two o'clock, 2 PM, my time, I can't do any more like work, like podcast recordings. And sometimes it's harder because some people don't understand, like if they're in like California and they want to do it like 7 PM, my time, I'm like, I can't like my kids, I'm running them all over places. And my husband, he, he works late and then he works an hour away from where we live. So the commute is two hours a day for him. Mm-hmm. So that's hard too. Um, and then you just mentioned last night, like 2.30 AM, my 11 year old woke up and was sick and she was like, my throat's so sore and she's all congested and mm-hmm. stuff, but you know, you never know, even like with an 11, she's going to be 12 right. this month, but yeah, still got to flow and roll with it. <laughs> oh yeah. Oh. And when you have kids and it's like, it's going to roll through everybody somehow. And so then, you know, oh yeah. gosh, any moment I have to get some rest, 
stack on that because everybody's probably going to get it. Maybe one will not, but then yeah. the next couple of weeks of nighttime wakings or whatever it may be, or daytime irritation or what mm-hmm. fuzziness from even if they're 11, they don't feel good, you know, needing more, needing you more. Yeah. And so it can, yeah. <laughs> Planning ahead. <laughs> um, I have a few rapid fire questions. Um, so we'll get, okay. So what is your favorite de-stressing tool or practice? I definitely, if I can, if I'm really stressed or something and really need to decompress or refresh, then I really, and it's a nice day. I'll, I'll see if my husband would keep the kids, even if I have the kids for the walk, they're pretty fine just to chill in the stroller and look around at nature and not have to be chit-chatting. Mm-hmm. But if he can watch them for me to take a 15 or 20 minute walk by myself and just be able to breathe or think or whatever, and be in silence, that's really helpful just to be in silence. So that's definitely one thing. Um, I really do love to be able to sit and read or to sit and write. And so, and so if I ever can get you know, a chance to just, I just need to sit and read something, you know, yeah. and decrease, or sometimes actually recently, I, I really don't watch a lot of TV. I I'd prefer to read, but sometimes it is nice for me because a lot of things I read are things that inspire me or I'm seeking to learn. So it's, it's not work, but it's, I'm always someone that runs being so efficient all the time. And so sometimes I need this to keep from being burnt out. I need to do something on purpose that has no furthering to work or growth or, you know what I mean? Mm -hmm. I, I typically do seek to always strive to improve myself with every efficient moment, whether in business or just life. And so sometimes I do purposely be like, uh, Kellen, I just need to go watch, uh, a show by myself. Yeah, uh, I just need to watch a show, something totally meaningless to life. You know, it could, it could be, you know, I love to watch the fixer upper. I love chip and join games or a cooking oh, show, like yeah. you know, just something that's really, uh, chill, relaxing, uh, and just have a t- 30 minutes or an hour, whatever, however long the show is, or just to, to, or watch it right now, watch a hall. I would want to just watch a Hallmark movie or a mm-hmm. Christmas movie. And, and, that can be hard for me sometimes to just be like, but that's not moving me forward in life somehow, I you know, know. What I mean? but, but that is important for me sometimes when I get to a burnout mode is to purposely not always be efficient just to sit and watch something. So that's when I will watch TV or something like that. So those are one of my favorite ways to de-stress is watch a show like fixer up or, or cooking show or a, ho- a Christmas movie right now, read a book or take a, just a walk by myself and breathe in some fresh air. I am the same way with watching TV. I never watch it. And it was last year I did, I got really burned out. And my, my coach, um, told me the one day I said some, I forget. I was like, I sat on the couch and watched a show and she's like, that's a win for you. Cause Mm -hmm. I don't. And if I sit on the couch, my kids are like, what's wrong when (laughs) I sit down. Mm -hmm. So I'm like, I have to remember to do that so that you, I had the question, um, when, what was the last show you binged watch? So you would say fixer upper probably, or yeah, I'd say that like their newest, um, season of fixer upper, I have the Magnolia network. So their newest network. So their latest season was on building this or renovating a castle. And mm-hmm. I love, uh, I think it's called Magnolia table. I love watching Joanna's cooking show. Cause she's not trying to be all professional. Like she'll drop her lemons or she'll spill stuff or she'll try to yeah. take a, a measuring cup and put it in one of the things and she guessed the wrong size and it gets stuck. And she's like, Hmm, you know, so I just love that. She's really real. And isn't like, it's not some show that when you watch it, she makes like, you couldn't actually do it. And so that one, I, I love, that's probably the two latest. There was a show. I don't remember what it was though. It, that wasn't one of their things that my husband and I binge watched, but now I can't remember. Cause it was probably too long ago, but that was the latest thing. Yeah. Um, what book are you reading right now? I've got what I've done now at this moment. I've got myself a little pickle because I have three. I have one I started, but then another one came out. I was like, oh, I need to get that one too. So mm-hmm. I started that. So I'm kind of rotating and working my way through three at the same time. Um, I'm about to the end of Ed Mallett's The Power of One More. I love then, that one. Yeah, it's a great one. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then I have been reading The Successful Speaker by Grant Baldwin. I had him on my podcast as well. Um, and I bought his book because I've been doing a lot of speaking lately. And I was, I haven't like ever had a speak besides like what you get in school speaking classes and stuff. I was like, you know, I really want to find out some details about just all the ways you can do this and 
make it even more lucrative. He's got so many de- It's so tactical, which I love about how to book speaking gigs, how to figure out your pricing and like all this stuff that people don't that's teach cool. you. Yeah. And so I loved it. Cause that's something I want to do more of and feel really detailed in how I want to handle the business side of that. Um, and so there's a lot of strategies. So I'm reading the successful speaker. And then the other one that I just started because I had pre-ordered it is Joanna Gaines's newest book called the stories we tell. I'm always a fan of their books. Chip Gaines is one of my favorite authors, like mm-hmm. his, no pain, no gains. I'm already done with that one, but that was one of my latest favorites. So, uh, she just came out with her book, the stories we tell inside. So I've started that one too. <laughs> what would you say your most inspiring book is that you would hands down recommend to anyone or that changed your life? We'll even go deeper. Yeah. I would say the no pain, no gains by chip gains is the latest one. And, um, it inspires such because he's very much not like me not, or I'm not naturally like him. I I'm a lot more like Joanna Gaines, which is I think I'm attracted to both of them is because I relate to her a lot, but she is also inspired by the way he is, which isn't how she is. Like he's so, not afraid to just go for things and it's terrible and it messes up and he laughs about it and does it again. And like, he's just got this very free spirited heart, which is something I've always had to work towards being a perfectionist growing up and kind of being pushed to be mm-hmm. perfect growing up and not feeling free to mess things up. Like being that my family was very athletic and we did, we did stand out, which was a blessing. But then at the same time, if we ever, if I ever did mess up or say like, I happened to get second one time, it became just overly glorified that Gina didn't win, which then made me more not want to be mess up ever or, you know, whatever it was. Yeah. So I really love and admire his just ability to just go for things and to mess up and be fine with that and learn from it and to really just dream huge. Like for him, he's the kind of person of very much. So he's never second guessed. Why not him? That's something Joanne always thought of herself. He has, it's interesting to me that some people are not wired that way to be like, Mm -hmm why am I not the most awesome rock star in the room? Like, it's interesting that everybody has that, that thought at all come across their mind. So I very much admire that. And the way he has relationships and sees relationships with people is really cool. And he talks about that in the book, how they've created such a powerful network, not in a marketing sense, but in how he just truly sees each human interaction as like a part, a string in the, the tapestry that's being sewn together and I, and he takes the time to make everyone their own actual string in his tapestry. Whereas for me, I can get so busy being efficient towards things. I'm not naturally the person in the neighborhood to, to say hello to everybody, not in a bad way. I'm just kind of, yeah, always on a no, mission. yeah. And, it's a, and it's so important. Like your mission really can even further taking time to interact genuinely with people. Mm-hmm. Um, and so, yeah, it's, there's just so many nuggets in that book. So that's one of my latest. I'm going to have to get it. It's so good. It's just so good. And the forward, so, Joanna writes the forward and like different people write about him in his book. And it's just so power to, powerful to hear their perspectives and how he shook up their lives in just this way that really up-leveled everybody. And it's just really cool. Yeah, you'll have to read it. I got, um, this was a few years ago because my, when they used to be on HGTV, um, my oldest loved them and she wanted everything. She was like young too. And I found like a gardening book that they did the one day at Target. I think it was around Easter because it was in, I put it, got in, put it in her Easter basket. And mm-hmm. she was so excited, wanted to take up gardening and all this stuff. <laughs> um, where can everyone, where can all the listeners find you? And I'll leave all this in the show notes. So my personal Instagram is Gina spelled J-E-A-N-A underscore Oldham, O-L-D-H-A-M. I just finally recently started an abundance formula Instagram. I always hate how to manage so many different Mm -hmm. things, but I was like, I know I need to to do one. So after my abundance formula event that I did, I was like, okay, so I started, uh, an abundance formula Instagram and it's abundance for, uh, abundance formula official on Instagram. And then I also just started, uh, the abundance formula community group on Facebook. And that one definitely people go join that because that's where I finally found this place to or uh, to finally create a place to be able to interact with my listeners. You know, you can see all your podcast stats and be like, yay, all these people are listening, but like yeah. you found to feel separated from them. So unless they're going to DM you on social media, 
then it's hard to have a place to like see what topics they want to hear. Who do they want to talk about? Keep them up to date with the latest news and really get to, and have them interact together is really huge. So I just wanted to start finally this year an actual like abundance from a community where people can truly share their takeaways and what do they want to hear more of and connect together and network together. It's almost too also sort of a business group who can help each other and how, and, and be that community. Like we've talked about, I think people don't step into their calling and purpose a lot because number one, they need more clarity on it, which is part of the event I did. And two, they don't feel mm-hmm. like they have a tribe. So this is that tribe. So the abundance from a community, make sure to, to look that up and request to join that on Facebook. <clears throat> and then the Abundance Formula podcast, it's on iTunes. Uh, I've started a YouTube channel for it and it's uh, the Abundance Formula should pull it, pull it up and subscribe to that. So you can see the video versions of everything. I'm starting to finally gra- add up all the past videos that I've had before I had the YouTube. I was trying just to do one platform at a time. You know, it yeah. means you can wanna be everywhere but you gotta be somewhere well first. So I did iTunes first and then YouTube. It's also on my website um, or my husband and I's website, www.oldhamstrong.com. That's where you can find all of our health and fitness stuff from in-person training to online personal training, corporate wellness, and the podcast as well. And for speaking, if you want to book me for speaking or anything, you can email us at oldhamstrong at gmail.com. And if you want to check out for next year, the Abundance Formula event, that's in our speaking tab on our website as well. Is that, that's in Belize? Is that the one in Belize? Uh, no, that was the event that I just completed this year, but it oh, okay. next year again. So it's just the old information from, from mm-hmm. this past one that just completed, but yes, the Belize trip, if anybody wants to come to Belize, it's called building influence in Belize. So it's going to be working on branding and marketing and who are you as your brand and how do you do it? How do you create a presence online and in person? Um, that even if someone doesn't have a business, this would still be for you because you're, you're providing influence influence in person, as well as online, if not more. So even if you're not trying to build a business, just the impact you want to make, um, and the changes you want to create in life. So teaching you a lot about that, a lot of stuff about identity and things like that. So my friend who's been on my podcast before Whitney Weiser Savage, she's a, an Olympian professional athlete. She is the host of the event. So she's asked me to come teach and coach as well. So it's going to be amazing. There's going to be really cool excursions that we're doing. Um, so it's going to be awesome. It's January 23 to 28. I think there's three or four spots left. So, um, wow. I don't know the URL off the top of my head for that. I mean, you can go to her, her Instagram, Whitney Weiser mm-hmm. Savage and contact her about it, um, or contact me and I'll send the link, but I can send it to you for the show notes for them to register. Yeah. Mm-hmm. That sounds amazing. Great. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Well, thank you so much for coming on and joining us today. Thank you so much for having me. It's it's my favorite part about podcasts. You get to have all these epic, fun conversations with people that are like-minded and and enjoy each other's time and and collaborate together and help each other in each of our endeavors. And I think that's just so cool. It is. Thank you. Yes. Thank you so much.